0: Hello and welcome to The Lost Button, the podcast for young people figuring out their future life and career. I'm Liz.
1: And I'm Connor.
0: And we're here to help you navigate all the big decisions you have to make about your future and create a path that's right for you.
1: Each episode, we're going to tackle some of the biggest questions and challenges Gen Z are facing about their future, from finding a job you're passionate about to managing stress and burnout. And we're back for episode 11. Liz, I can't believe it.
0: Me neither. Super stoked for episode 11. We've got the last two of the season. How has your week been going?
1: Yeah, I had a lot of assignments this week, Liz, so I really needed something to listen to. Luckily, Kanye finally dropped his album, Donda, which is very exciting. How was your week?
0: It's been super good. We started a book club with the Purposeful team. So I bought the whole team a book to read and they bought me a book, which was all that purpose and passion and profiting from it, which is super exciting. So I've been having fun, um, yeah, reading my way through that this week. Lovely. So today's episode is all about how to handle rejection from job applications. I think it's a super frustrating and painful problem for a lot of our audience because the process that a lot of people are going through when they're trying to get their foot in the door with their first job can be really disempowering, you know, getting rejected without any feedback or really any idea of where to go next. So I think we've got lots of things to talk about to help people there.
1: We sure do. And the best place to start is of a very relevant would you rather question, (laughs) Liz. So this is, it's a tough one. Would you rather get rejected by every job you apply for or every person you ask out?
0: (laughs) Rejection sucks. I'm not sure which kind is worse. (laughs) I would choose to get rejected by every job because you can create your own job Mm. and it would just be really depressing if every person you asked out rejected you. I feel like that would hit me in the feels more. What about you?
1: Now, I've thought this through and I think that I could get asked out so therefore, <laughs> right? I would rather have every person reject me because someone could ask you out, yeah, and then you still get all the job opportunities. So that's <laughs> that's my answer, is but um. I you love know. the
0: confidence. <laughs> so Connor, tell me more. What are the key stats about rejection?
1: So rejection really hurts us, and the reason is it's the same areas of our brain that become activated when we have rejection as those when we experience physical pain ouch <laughs> yeah it is it, it hurts a lot and it's normal to feel sad or or really hurt when you get rejected but there's another aspect to this and that's that historically to survive we had to avoid rejection and fit in this is how our brain is naturally wired in the 21st century however we know that the best way to succeed is to actually stand out
0: I think that's a really interesting observation because we have this intrinsic sort of need to belong to a group, right? And it's why people find it really difficult to go out on a limb and actually embrace their differences and maybe the things that make them unique. So that's that's a really cool point.
1: So Liz, what advice would you give to someone who is in this situation right now, they're feeling disempowered or that they're not good enough?
0: Yeah, I think to start off with, don't take rejection personally as best as you can. I know I've been rejected so many times in trying to get my business off the ground. And when I was sort of, you know, reaching out to maybe four or five potential clients, and they would all say no. It was really easy to feel as though I wasn't worth it or it wasn't good enough. In actual fact, it's just a pretty small sample size. There's seven billion people and counting on the planet, so don't take those little rejections as as something as a reflection of your character. There's a couple of quick strategies. I think one is building up your rejection muscle. Rejection does suck, but there's definitely value in getting practice at. Being rejected—that's how you build resilience, and ultimately, that's an that's an awesome perspective to take on it. The second one I think is getting comfortable with saying no. Actually, seeking out opportunities that you might be rejected by to build that resilience and gain confidence, and and being able to bounce back is really important. And finally to bring a purposeful aspect of it, I think bring it back to your core purpose. So when you're applying for these jobs, think about, hey, what's actually my vision here? What is the life that I want to be living or the dream work or environment I want to spend most of my time in? And is this the best first step to getting there? Rejection can be a great form of redirection because if that, you know, people have rejected you, it might be because the values they have aren't aligned with yours. So even though it can be hard, it actually could lead you to a much better path.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Liz see for me i had a lot of internships i went for last year for example and i got rejected from all of them and what that meant is that you know it hurt at the time it it does you know make you reflect on your self-esteem a little bit but i learned from those opportunities built resilience and then when i went for the grad roles this year i was able to get multiple offers so i think you know people think if i get rejected once especially if they never have before it's maybe the end of the world but it just builds character now, a common thing is that a lot of young people are getting rejected from their first job. They're trying to get you know, some experience, a foot in the door in their industry or field of study. So what do you think, Liz, is the best mindset or some strategies that they should be adopting to actually increase their chances of getting that first job?
0: My number one piece of advice is to diversify your strategy. Most young people I know who are heading towards the end of their uni degree or they've just graduated, the only approach they're taking is by what we what we'll call cold applying for jobs in a traditional way right so they're seeing the job ad they're putting an application they don't have any real other relationship with that company it's just a cold application process if anything that's actually the hardest way to get a job and we've talked a little bit about this before but most jobs you know aren't actually gotten by people through that process that's just one of them so you need to diversify your strategy.
1: Yeah. And if someone was to actually improve their chances with that cold applying method, what would they do about that?
0: My approach has always been breaking it down into baby steps. So always thinking, how can I get inc- increase my chances of getting through to the next phase of this process? As someone who's hired people before as well and been in that recruiter position and also gone for jobs myself, I can really speak to the fact that usually it comes down to two things. One- being different so making yourself stand out and two the company values or the criteria so what they're actually looking for. So an example of how you can differentiate yourself when we were hiring at Purposeful we were hiring for a marketing position and as part of that there was a video that they had to record a quick introduction to themselves as the first step in the process and Everybody who submitted a video, except for the top sort of three or four, submitted it, filmed it from their bedroom. It was like a really boring kind of background. They basically just ran through their CV. Two of the people that became my top finalists, one of them spent about 10 minutes just edited the background on canvas so that it was coloured differently. And that was enough to stand out from the whole pool of applicants at that point. So I guess differentiation doesn't have to be something super complicated. It's just about thinking, putting your mindset in the mindset of the recruiter who's looking through hundreds of the same sort of applications each and every day and doing something that's going to grab their attention. And lastly, really aligning with the values or the criteria that that company has. That's certainly important. There's a couple ways you can do that. One, by just asking. (laughs) Two, by analysing their job listings and descriptions and seeing what they're actually looking for to make sure you're speaking to that. So kind Did you want to tell us about the second strategy?
1: Yes, Liz. So, the second strategy is all about how to build meaningful relationships. If you're a student or you're searching for a job, find out what is the title of the entry level or graduate position that you want in a company. LinkedIn is absolutely your best friend here. It's likely the title will be something like graduate, junior, analyst, or associate. So narrow down the companies that align with your values, vision, and interests, and think about companies that are gonna also maximize your learning. What you can do then is just search who are the recent graduates in these positions on LinkedIn. The next step is to message them and ask them for coffee. Chances are, they'll say yes, and you'll be able to learn a lot about that company and whether you actually align with them. A key bit here is if you do have a meeting, don't ask that person to give you a job straight away ask them questions about the job. So what do they like about it? What are the opportunities available in that role? And if you do it in the right way, they may even offer to mentor you. So if you do this at the start of your degree or a year or two before you apply for the graduate role, when that time comes around, you will have already met them quite a few times and it will be quite a natural relationship. Personal example of this is for a grad role that I got offered, I haven't even started it they asked for my advice in hiring other people so you can see how much weight someone who is two, three or four years into that job really can have. And this was the same my part-time job. Most companies have some sort of referral policy list. What would be another strategy that our listeners can use?
0: This one's a little more radical. I don't think people consider it so much. Um, but an awesome industry and space to get your foot in the door get a lot of experience really quickly is the startup scene and in smaller companies with startups yes they often they are technology based but that doesn't mean that the roles that they're hiring for are um, in fact they actually want younger people who are more tech savvy but are able to learn a lot of different skills really quickly because their business is changing rapidly um, you need to be able to adapt and it's not necessarily an advantage to have loads of experience already because likely it's like a new base or industry so you can actually learn on the job and as a startup founder myself I can say that the leaders of startup companies are way more interested in alignment with your their values and their vision for the future than they are in your experience that's one of the priorities when they hire so it kind of helps you to avoid that catch-22 and um, when you're applying cold applying for more traditional pathways where they just want experience and the grades you're going to find more aligned roles in the startup scene and I've got two awesome starting points with that the First is Startup Galaxy, which is a platform built for students to basically help you find jobs, like entry level jobs in startups. So, definitely check that one out. And the second one is Startmates Student Fellowship. So, twice a year, every year, they have an intensive program that's free to get you startup job ready and actually collect, connect you with some of the coolest, and I mean coolest entrepreneurs and internship opportunities with startups in Australia.
1: Yeah, I've heard really good things about the Startmate one in particular. So finally, Liz, I know you have some great practical resources that people can go and find help for this topic. What are they?
0: I've got my top three. The first is Hatch. They look beyond your CV to match you with work that you're a good fit for, all whilst you're studying. So they actually go into top companies and curate a suite of paid internships and graduate roles with these companies. And they make the process much more student-friendly and supportive, unlike the traditional hiring process. Definitely check them out. The second one is Forage or Forage. We can't decide how you pronounce it but they have a a database of bite-sized virtual work experience programs all with fortune 500 companies go and have a look they literally have hundreds and these things take about five to six hours to complete most of them are free i believe and they're really great at understanding actually a bit more about those roles and what the job is before you go for those interviews so really recommend doing that to get a feel for the job descriptions that maybe seem a bit bland and kind of difficult to understand what the role is going to be like and the last one is entry level they also have virtual work experience programs but they're more intensive so up to 30 days you're in a cohort with other people and they have a select kind of group of experiences that you can do in really sought after skill sets right now so they'll also connect you to paid work opportunities afterwards wow
1: that That's such good advice. I wish I knew this in first year, Liz.
0: Now it's time for the lost and found. Even though being lost is a problem that young people across the world are facing, it can be easy to feel like you're the only one.
1: Each episode will bring a young person on the show to share their story and the challenges they're facing about their future.
0: Today's guest is Sienna, a 22-year-old proud barista and waitress.
1: Hi Sienna, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Can you tell us a bit about yourself and your journey through life after school?
2: Sure. So I'm a recent graduate from UWA. I just completed my Bachelor of Arts. So my journey before that, I finished high school in 2016. And in year 12, I was applying to join the Defence Force. And basically, I got to like the end of the recruitment process in year 12. I graduated high school. I was in Europe waiting for my offer letter. And it just never came. I didn't get rejected. I didn't get accepted. I was just like, what? So I didn't hear anything. So I just started uni here in Perth. Had a really good year. Worked at Maccas, made good friends, went out clubbing at the court. it was a vibe and then like before my semester two exams i get this call from the air force saying oh we actually found your offer letter would you like to come for 2018 at a certain military academy in canberra and i was like this is like such a weird coincidence Okay, I'll go. So in 2018, I went, I started there. And to summarise the whole experience, it just didn't work out in the end. So I was there for like 10 months and I came back to Perth with like a really big feeling of like, I failed and I got rejected and just like, this is the worst thing to ever happen. And yeah, and then I moved to another uni in Perth and just kept working on my degree and try to figure out what I want to do next.
0: Yeah, amazing. Thank you for sharing because I think a lot of people have in their heads that most people's journeys is this straight line Mm. (laughs) of like one step after the other, but most people it's like a zigzag. Yeah. Like you described, right? I'd love to know though, was that always the path that was written for your future or what what did people kind of expect you to do or be or maybe still?
2: (laughs) I think like since like year 10, I was like, oh, I was really interested in the Defence Force. I was like, I want to join the Navy. And then I was like, later, I'll join the Air Force. And so I like people from like my high school and like my scout leaders, like my community, like growing up, they're like, oh, like once you got in, like we were so proud of you. So I was just like expected, and I expected myself that I was just going to be in the Air Force the rest of my life. So when that didn't happen, I was like, well, what, what am I going to do now? So like, coming back, I was really like trying to figure out what my next plan was. And it took me a while to figure out what that was. Mm.
1: So when you felt lost in your journey... What were some of the challenges that you faced in that process?
2: Um, Yeah, so as I said, I definitely thought I'd be in the ADF for like the rest of my life because, like, it's like more, I think it's definitely more than a job. It's like everything around you is very definitely centered around that. And I was like far away from home, and like, so everyone I knew there. Was all defence people and things like that, and so when I came back, I just decided like I already had credit towards my degree, my arts degree, so I just continued to do that, and then I would like decide via like postgrad pathways what to do, and so I was very like stuck between like law or teaching, and I was like, as you know, changing my mind like every single day, every single week, like oh I really want to do law this week, I really want to do teaching this week, and then I was getting like so upset because I couldn't pick, and I was like I'm never going to figure it out, I'm just going to be like lost forever, and so yeah, that was definitely. Challenging, yeah. Oh my god, relatable (laughs) as well. Though,
0: and I'm I'm curious to know. So today we've been talking a lot about that process you've described, where people are applying for jobs or opportunities, and then sometimes just never hearing back, right? Mm -hmm. And how frustrating that can be. Can you tell us a bit more about like how you've responded to that since then? Because how have you sort of changed your mindset about? Those rejections, and yeah, since then. Yeah, happened.
2: I definitely think, like, because the rejection, like, from my time in the ADF, it felt very personal because they knew me and I'd been there for like nearly a year and then they're like no we actually don't like you we don't think you're good enough and so that felt very personal so then that like compared to just like I've sent my resume and then they say no I can definitely like it's so much more detached from that and also like my second major at uni was HR management so I know like a lot of the hiring process and how like complicated it is and you'll be like some hiring managers will love a certain type of resume and then it'll be like so horrible for someone else and so there's just so many factors that go into a hiring process so when you get rejected it's like maybe my resume didn't pass through a bot or like you know so many different things or maybe I'm overqualified maybe I'm underqualified and so yeah you don't know so I think it's definitely easier to process rejection when you're like it's actually not personal it's just like Mm -hmm. a weird process that they go through.
0: That's a really important boundary I think to have because often like people might apply for one two three or four things and they'd be like I've rejected for everything I'm a terrible person you know I'm never gonna make it So there's a lot of people that are going through that rejection kind of process right now. And I think it would be really interesting to hear what would be your advice to them? How have you learned to cope with that or what would you say to them?
2: Yeah, I definitely am in that right now, like I've graduated like a month ago so I'm like applying to jobs all the time and then that comes with lots of rejections or lots of even you don't hear anything at all and a thing that I really like is like I'm in like a really awkward time where I just like just work my little hospitality jobs and like don't do much else but it's like a period of my life that I have to go through and so I think like something really important to remember is not to rush into the next stage or into the next milestone because like I remember like I was rushing so hard to get to the end of my degree and I was like a year behind because I went to the air force and I was like oh I'm so embarrassed. Like everyone knows I'm a year behind but then I like graduated and I was like oh like I'm not magically happy now. Like you just gotta enjoy and try and make life worth it in each stage because like Especially, like, some of my friends are in that, like, night and fire stage or, like, that work stage. And that stage goes for, like, 40-odd years or whatever. So, like, why are we rushing to get to the next stage when you should just enjoy the now while well, you can't?
1: What's been the best or most exciting part of your journey to finding yourself?
2: I was, like, going to say, like, I always knew I was going to finish, like, mid-year 2021. And I was so, like, upset about that for a while. And then I was like, oh, no, like, after that, I can go travelling in Europe and I can go, like, see the world. Because I have, like, six months to spare before, like, anything starts next year. And then, you know, COVID happened. So now I'm just, like, trying to find ways to, like, figure out what I like, both personally and career-wise. And, like, some really good advice I found was, like, like finding your inner child and what, like, you liked growing up as a kid or as a teenager. So, like, I'm listening to, like, really weird music again. Because I was like, that's what I listened to when I was 14. And, like, crafting and baking and, like, things I did before, like, the world, like, made me, like, all mean and stuff. And so finding that out is, like, going back to, like, your authentic self before you cared about what other people thought. Like, doing that, I'm, like, very more solidified in what I want to do career-wise because I was like, that reflects, like my values and things like that which may seem like really simple I'm like I've just been like painting but it's worked <laughs> so
0: yeah I, I think that's so important because often like it's really easy to become disconnected from yourself like even physically right especially since everything is tech nowadays so doing those things it's like actually really formative to to start that way that's awesome I'm curious to know now that you've gone through like All of these experiences, and like we've been haven't we haven't said this, but we've known each other literally since we were born, and so I'm very proud of you and your (laughs) journey and where you've got to in your life. I think, what does success look like for you right now? How has that changed from you know the Sienna that was graduating high school and maybe didn't know. Yeah, what to do next. I definitely think when I think of, like,
2: 16-year-old me, I was very, like, I'm going to, like, grow up and I'm going to make lots of money and I'm going to have, like, a really, like, high-status job and I, like, really cared about that. I was, like, going to, like, prove myself, especially, like, because I come from a family where, like, I'm the first one to go to uni and things like that. I was like, I'm really going to do this. And then like going back to like my values and what I actually care about. I don't really actually care about money. And I care more about like having like a rewarding job and being like content with what I do. So yeah, not to like be corny and be like, I want to be happy because you can't be happy all the time. But to definitely like be proud of your work. I think yeah, so I'm definitely leaning towards careers where I'm able to help people and have that like sense of satisfaction. That'd be awesome. Yeah,
1: that's such good advice, and I think isn't shared enough. So we really appreciate that insight. In terms of you said you're trying to find your inner child again and be in touch with that creative side, what advice would you pass on to 16-year-old Sienna?
2: 16 year old me I was in year 11 what was I doing in year 11 I was like studying my ATAR and I was I would say like try harder in math (laughs) and like (laughs) you know keep listening Taylor Swift don't cut your hair like all that stuff like wear sunscreen but I'd also say like I remember like me in high school I was like definitely like a really sweet person and I definitely think like as you grow up people try and take advantage of that and you're like oh like what do you mean like everyone's like sometimes people are mean or sometimes like people try to take advantage of like you being like a really nice person so I definitely tried and tell her keep being you even though people are going to try and make you feel like you shouldn't be like that and yeah and stick to your guns a bit.
0: (laughs) oh thank you so much for sharing your story it was awesome and I think our listeners and ourselves have got so much out of that so we really appreciate the authenticity and showing like the full kaleidoscope of (laughs) your career and life journey and yeah I'm really excited to see where it goes next so thanks thanks so much no worries thank you
1: Liz, what did you learn from Sienna?
0: I have known Sienna for my entire 22 years on the planet and I was super proud of her sharing her story today. I think she had so much authenticity and was really vulnerable with us and I know how difficult that can be to you know, be open about the challenges that you face in, in your journey. I think the biggest thing that um, I learned from her which I thought was so cool is that she's kind of come to this place in her life of acceptance, of acceptance of who she is, of you know who she is outside of other people's expectations for her and that's what's bringing her a lot more happiness and purpose and that was that's really cool to see in people
1: Absolutely I think she said she's been able to reconnect with her inner child. So a lot of people, as they get older, they lose that creativity and ability to explore and experiment. So I found it very inspiring that she said she's trying to reconnect with that version of herself because that's a very positive thing and something I'm gonna try and do more of.
0: It shows that the process of finding yourself is often about remembering, I think, as well, that often we these things that um, we value and that uh, spark passion in us are quite organically and naturally things that come about. It's only been when she actually took that pause where she finished her degree and now she's creating space in her life for her authentic self that she's actually seeing the benefits of that so i think that's so cool i also think she just had a really healthy mindset around rejection Mm. because it obviously sucks but she's come to this place of before it was like really personal to setting boundaries and not kind of letting her worth or her happiness be defined by the email she gets you know in Mm. her Mm. inbox um so i thought that was an awesome attitude to have that we could really learn from yeah i agree Thanks for listening to The Lost Button, a podcast helping you figure out your future one episode at a time. If our stories hit home for you today, we'd love for you to leave us a review or share with a friend. Head to our website to get career advice from The Lost Button. Sign up to our mailing list for more practical tips or check out Purposeful on Insta to be part of our community. We'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we're recording today, the Noongar people of Wadjuk country. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Thanks and have an epic day.